الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما خلقت الجن والانس الا ليعبدون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سبعه يظلهم الله في ظله يوم لا ظل الا ظله وقال فيه وشاب نشا في عباده الله عز وجل او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected sisters in islam this program that has been arranged for the youth our sisters who are still in their early stages of life in their youth this program has been specifically arranged for them the issue is that what is the need for a specific program of this nature for the youth why are we so important so special that there's a special program for us so everything that happens later in life to a large extent it will depend on what direction and what shape it takes in the early stages of life therefore the youth of a person is very important because the youth will shape the person's middle ages and even one's old age very seldom it will happen that there will be a drastic difference in everything certain things will change certain things may take a different direction but by and large things will stay on that same path which a person has in the first 20 odd years of life especially in a person's teenage years those values those ideas that a person has adopted that will decide what direction things take later in life and therefore we find in the hadith sharif it is mentioned that on the day of qiyamah a person will be asked four questions until each person doesn't answer those questions they won't be able to move from the spot they are standing on and the first question is an umrihi fi ma afna how did the person spend his life and then from that specifically the question will be wa an shababihi fi ma abla how did the person spend his or her youth because the youth of a person is that time when allah taala has blessed one with all the strength the energies the vigor <coughs> later in life sometimes a person wants to do many things but now old age has caught up and the person cannot do the things that were possible in one's younger ages person wants to do many things wants to make ibadat the whole night can't do it now the health doesn't permit somebody wants to 
travel for the sake of deen, can't do it because health doesn't permit, etc. So the youth of a person is extremely important. Now what happens generally in youth? In our youthful ages, generally (coughs) we and youth in general feel that this is the time to be carefree, to enjoy life to the full and to make merry. And later when time comes we will worry about responsibilities. Indeed, in the early time of life, the responsibilities are very much reduced. A person generally is taken care for, care of by one's parents, by one's ed- elders. Nobody has to generally worry about acquiring the daily needs. They don't have to go and earn the living. They don't have to worry about paying the bills. They don't have to worry about seeing to the household issues. So it is a king's life. But then many will say that it's supposed to be a king's life. Why am I all the time distressed? Why am I sometimes depressed? And I don't seem to know what direction to take in things. I'm like in a person like somebody is caged up. Why do I feel like this? And why am I harboring so many confused feelings within me? So this is not something that is from outside. Very often this is something from within ourselves. And depending on how we will approach things in life, that is what will go within us. Now there are two ways of looking at things. One is the concept of the West, that there's freedom for everything, the so-called freedom. There's no reality of it. There's a farce. But the so-called freedom, that we are free, we must be able to do what we want. There was one movement in India where (coughs) this cult... And this movement was such that people were allowed to do what they want. So one person who had become the leader of this movement, he came to one very great alim of India of the time, Sheikh Abdul Aziz, Muhaddis Dehlawi Rahimullah. And he came to him and said to him, now they used to claim to be a very religious cult, but this was their, everything is free fall. So he came to him and he asked him that, How long are you going to remain in the shackles of Shariat, in the shackles of the laws of Deen? Look at us, we are free. So, Shaykh Abdul Aziz didn't give him any answer immediately. First, he just diverted the attention of this person and started discussing something totally different and turned his mind away from the discussion. And after a while, then he suddenly asked him that, uh, give me a background of your life. You know, when you started off, then you went to school or what you did, thereafter what happened. So this person said, well, for the first few years I was, well, like any other child, playing around at home. And then I went to school. First it was kindergarten, and then it was primary school, and then it was high school. Then I went for tertiary education. 
Then I joined the army. And then thereafter, I took on this position in certain job. And then I became involved in this group and this cult. And now I'm the leader of this cult. So Sheikh Abdul Aziz said to him, that you see, you say that you are free. But look at your life. From the time you were, before you were born, you were within the confines of your mother's womb. You had no freedom to do what you wanted to do. You were restricted. Then as a little baby, you were restricted because of your physical condition. You couldn't even eat yourself. You couldn't clean yourself. Everything had to be done for you. So you were restricted there also. You didn't have the freedom to do what you want because you couldn't. Then as you grew up, your parents wouldn't let you run anywhere. They wouldn't let you just go away on your own. You were restricted. Then you went to prime kindergarten school. There were rules there. You must be there by a certain time. You will leave a certain time. You are allowed to do certain things. You are not allowed to do certain things. The same happened in primary school. There were restrictions. Then you came to high school. Likewise restrictions. Various rules. Various regulations. Then you went for tertiary education. The same system applied there as well. Then you went to the army. A very strict regiment. And if you don't follow that then you are put under some severe sanction, you are given punishment, you have to do some strenuous things as punishment if you don't follow exactly what is to be done. You are given tasks to do and it must be done within a certain period of time and if you don't fulfill it in that time, then you are punished. So all these restrictions and all this was being done to create something in you, to train you for something. Now you say you have finally become the leader of this cult and you say you are free. Now one aspect of this cult was, they used to regard it as necessary that a person must shave off every bit of hair from his body. So the head would be totally shaved, well, might be not very serious to understand that, but then even for example, the eyebrows, they will shave the eyebrows off as well. They will shave everything. So, and that is that was a compulsory aspect of this cult. So Shaykh Aziz said to him that you thought or you saying you claiming to be free right through your life, all these phases you were restricted, you were under sanction and you had to follow the system. If you went out of the system you were reprimanded, sometimes you were punished. In the army you were put through some severe punishment. Now also you are still not free, you are in the shackles of the shaving of all your hair and your eyebrows, even now you are in the shackles. You are merely claiming to be free. And I am in the shackles of Shariat, you are in the shackles of these things. But the shackles of Shariat that I am in, this will deliver me out of the problems and difficulties of this world also, and the everlasting problems and difficulties of the hereafter. And your so-called freedom, this is going to put you in problems now as well, and it will put you in problems later in life. Now a person thinks, but how can freedom make me fall into difficulties now. I'm in difficulties because I'm being restricted. I want to do some things, my parents are upset with me. I want to do some things, somebody else is having a problem with me. So I must be free. I can. I must be allowed to do what I want, then I'll be happy. That's what I want. And this freedom, once I have it, then I'm happy with everything. So let us take a very practical example. Very practical example. A person is free. So the person... They decided they are free, so what they did? 
Now, I am taking an example which is not very easy to even bring up, but unfortunately this is reality. And I want to illustrate what does this freedom mean. So somebody decided I am free and I am not restricted. So they decided to start chatting. And chatting to who? They started deciding to chat to somebody. They didn't realize, maybe we just take it for as an example, they didn't realize this person is already even married. And now they're trying to chat the person up via the mix-it and via all the other social media. And that person's wife now suddenly picked up these messages. And she recognized who is this person that is trying to waylay my husband. And unfortunately these kind of things are becoming realities because we are being caught up by the so-called concept of or the farce of freedom of the West. So we are free to do what we want. Free to have the kind of relationships we want. Why should we be restricted with anything? So now the person thought, well, I'm free. So they tried to strike up a relationship. Next thing it turned out that this person was married and now his wife picked up those messages and she realized who is the person sending these messages. Now, what a wonderful time that person who sent the messages is going to have. When this person's wife has picked it up, now she's going to splash this news all over the place that this is what so and so is up to and this is how she's trying to waylay other people, trying to uh, deviate others, cause problem in other people's marriages. What will be the end result now? The whole society now is going to stink with this news and that person is going to be ostracized or some people will be passing comments and whatever else carries on, time is limited, we can't go into too much of the description of the situation, it's well known. Now what was, where did this come from? Now the person is, can't come out from the house, person is hiding under the bed, I don't have any face left to show anybody because Allah forbid this whole thing has burst open and broken out I am disgraced in front of the whole of society, my family, how do I face my parents, how do I face my relatives, my neighbors, they all know about it. Now what is, this is the result of what? This is the result of the so-called freedom. Then I am free, I can do what I want. This freedom just makes us, or rather deceives us into thinking that we will be happier with that so-called freedom. Whereas nothing in life can be done with unrestricted freedom. Everything has certain limitations. You want to learn how to do something, you'll have to follow the limitations and follow the restrictions. Then you will learn something in life. A person feels that this is no good for me, then the person will, the example is like the tamarind. It's something that is used extensively in India and so on. When it falls from the tree, then it's picked up, then it's boiled, and it's ground, and then goes through various processes, and eventually it makes a very expensive jam, very expensive, after all the processes it goes through. And this only the very rich can afford, the king, it will be on the king's dastarkhan. So one tamarind decided that, fine, pick me up, boil me, crush me, grind me, and put me through all the processes, And then, fine, after having suffered all this restriction and this boiling and this grinding, 
I will eventually end up on the Dastarkhan and the table of the king. So I am quite pleased to go through all this process. So that person now, or that tamarind goes through all that. And then another one also fell from the tree. It said, day anybody pick me up. I am not interested in being crushed and ground and boiled. And I want to be free. I will lie here free. Nobody must come and try to restrict my freedom. So what happens to that? In a short while, it starts decaying. Then there is an odor coming from it. So nobody wants to even touch it now. And after a short while, it starts just becoming dust. And then there is no sign of it. It's all gone. Now the one, both fell of the same branch. Both fell of the same twig also. They were next to each other there. One decided that I don't mind whatever is being done to me. I'm going to be restricted. I'm going to be boiled and ground, etc. It became a very valuable thing. It became something greatly appreciated. It became something greatly respected. It then commanded the respect of people that you can't buy this just with your tender and note. You'll have to come with a lot of money to buy this. So now it is respect. Somebody buys it, they look after this well. It's not just left lying anywhere. See, it's a very expensive thing. It's kept on the top shelf. And the other one decided, I don't want to be restricted in any way. Let me lie where I am. So that started rotting. It started smelling. Nobody wants to then look at it. Nobody wants to come near it. So that's the system in life. To become something, to be appreciated in life, to be respected in life, to become valuable in this life, we will have to accept those restrictions. But this is where the test is. That we will have to have confidence in those who are above us in terms of deen and our elders, our parents. We will have to have that confidence that we haven't seen the days that they have already seen. We haven't had the experiences that they have already had. We haven't had that foresight which they have developed. So therefore, they are seeing beyond the mountain. We are on this side of the mountain they are on the top. They have climbed so many years. They can see the other side of the mountain. They can see what this chatting is going to do. And they can see now that this chatting for, is not just going to be restricted to one problem. It's going to be a multitude of problems. This illicit relationships is not going to be just something that's going to be, by the way, is going to affect everything in life. It's going to ruin a person's life. It just has an outward glitter and glamour. But it is filth in shiny paper. It is filth in very, very glossy paper. So from the outside it looks very glamorous. Now the person's emotions are on a roller coaster. Because now on the one side the person needs to worry about that I don't get caught. On the other side the person now is sucked up into this issue. So the person can't let go. And then when the person gets caught up into this, so studying, especially studying deen, this gets affected first. Deen itself gets affected first. Now the person has got no enthusiasm for deen. When there is no deen in a person's life, then shaitan takes over. And when the shaitan in one's life, then shaitan is trouble. Total trouble. And shaitan's purpose is to trouble. So now when somebody is in the clutches of shaitan, then shaitan will keep just showing an outward a glamorous appearance to things, but things which will further destroy the person. 
And finally, when shaitan has destroyed the person, then shaitan will then be very uh, standing on the side and laughing. So there isn't anything that has been achieved in this world without accepting restriction. And those who are above us, we will have to have that confidence in them, that they know what they are talking about, but we will have to submit. We will have to take the courage to take the advice of those who are above us. And when we will take the advice of those who are above us, then we will find that we will be led ahead, we will be guided correctly. At that time, there will be some tug of war within us, with our nafs, with our emotions, because we already now are being dragged by nafs and shaitan in one direction, and now we are being told, no, you must go the opposite way. So there is going to be this little tug of war. But now it depends on whose side we want to win. Are we going to help to pull on the side of nafs and shaitan? Then we are going to fall on the end. And they are going to have a jolly time laughing at the way we fall. And alternately, we also help to pull on the side of the righteousness. So at that time, there will be a bit of tug of war. But when we eventually pull on the side of righteousness, then we will see how smooth it is. Then everybody will be so pleased and so happy. There'll be respect, there'll be honor, there'll be appreciation. Then a person will find the true tranquility and peace of mind. Because this is something Allah Ta'ala has placed in His obedience. That the obedience of Allah Ta'ala brings down the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. And where does this rahmat descend? First and foremost, it descends on the heart of the person that has been obedient to Allah Ta'ala. So the heart is very content then. The heart is happy. Physically, the person might be in difficulty. Physically, the person might be in pain. But there is Rahmat descending on the heart. And that is everything. That heart is happy. That is the main thing. So now this Rahmat will descend in the heart. And the person will taste happiness. And otherwise, the person will be in the lap of luxury. But if there is disobedience, then the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala will descend on the heart first. And the heart will be in turmoil. Then the person will be, for the sake of removing uh, so-called boredom, the person will decide to start chatting. And that chatting will start getting into other sins and other means of destruction. And now the person will be in this roller coaster of emotions. And then the person feels now for this emotional satisfaction, for this emotional well-being, I need to have some relationship with somebody. So a person starts off an illicit relationship. But then in the middle of that relationship, and this is again all realities, it's not just made up stories, the person has got a second relationship, and a third relationship, and this is happening from both ends. And everybody is just playing the fool with one another, and making everybody feel that, no, you are it. But, there's a big but in that whole it. And there's so many other things carrying on. Everybody is just deceiving one another until the bubble bursts. And now the person is depressed and destroyed. And Allah forbid such type of things then, which one can't even imagine, couldn't even imagine something like that. People actually come and they say, make dua, make dua. The person now is asking for dua. What dua? My girlfriend is unhappy with me. So must make dua for haram nauzubillah. The person loses his complete direction. He's asking, must make dua that this relationship, this illicit relationship gets restored. 
Can we imagine to what depth shaitan and nafs then drop us to? That the person loses complete bearings and the life, is, the life in this world is already destroyed. And then the person fears now to uh, bring back the happiness, I got to get further into this now. Now maybe I was chatting with five people, okay now leave these five aside, now started the sixth one. So now we add more fuel to the fire. There's only one way that we can come out of this morass and this uh, problem is to come back to Allah Taala, to come back to the source of happiness, to come back to where we will get that tranquility from. Allah bizikrillahi tatma'innul qulub that in the remembrance of Allah Taala, do the hearts get their peace, do the hearts get contentment and tranquility. The remembrance of Allah Taala is primarily and essentially the obedience of Allah Taala. The verbal remembrance also is meant to create the consciousness of Allah Taala, and that consciousness, when that comes, then the obedience of Allah Taala will come. That Allah Taala is watching, Allah Taala is seeing what I am doing, Allah Taala is aware of what I am doing. Ya a'yuni wa ma sudur. Allah Taala knows the deception of the eye and what the heart conceals, and Allah Taala has put His own security and CIDs in place as well. Allah Taala doesn't need them. But this is a system of Allah Ta'ala. A person sometimes is talking to some person, talking to some boy somewhere, which is haram. So before that, the person looks left and right, and looks behind one shoulder, looks above one shoulder in the back, that uh, nobody else is watching, my parents, my relatives, nobody else is watching. The person is looking behind the shoulder. What we should do is stop at the shoulder. We should stop at the shoulder, whether it's a right shoulder or the left shoulder. At the shoulder on the right is the angel that is recording one's good deeds. And before looking above the left shoulder, stop at the shoulder and remind yourself that there's an angel recording all my evil deeds. And my parents may not be watching. My apa or ustad or muallima might not be watching. My friends might not be watching. Society might not be watching. I might be in a closed room. I might have even drawn the curtains. But Allah Ta'ala is watching. Allah Ta'ala's angels are watching. They are even recording it. And on the day of Qiyamat, I will see all this in my book of deeds. And then I will be in total bewilderment and I will be helpless. And I will then say, Mali hadal kitabila yugadiru wala kabiratan illa ahsaha. That what is the matter with this book? That it hasn't left even the slightest thing, but it's recorded it here. Every small thing, I looked in one direction with the wrong intention, that is also recorded here. I spoke with the wrong, I spoke the wrong thing, that is also recorded here. I was fantasizing something that is also recorded here. Mali hadal kitab, la yugadiru wala kabiratan illa ahsaha. That what is the matter with this book? But then it's too late. That file is already there. But we still have the chance now, while we are alive, to delete those files. Allah Taala's mercy is such. When a person comes back to Allah Taala, ta when the person makes sincere tawbah, then Allah Taala deletes that file in such a way that Allah Taala doesn't even allow. The angels to do the deletion, Allah Ta'ala deletes that file personally with his hukam. And that file is deleted in such a way that even the angels don't remember that this ever happened. And on the day of Qiyamat also, the angels won't have that opportunity to say to somebody that I deleted your file. Allah Ta'ala does it from his grace directly. But we need to come back to Allah Ta'ala. We need to come back to make our own life in this world happy and a life of contentment and happiness. 
and to gain that izzat and honor in this very life, to gain the pleasure of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. And that will happen right here in this world, that we will have a good life, though a person sometimes may not necessarily have the luxuries of life. The person may not have, can we imagine that a person is given this option? You choose one of the two things. Either you'll be given a billion rands, maybe 10 billion. You're given 10 billion rands, but you will have no peace of mind. 10 billion rands, you can do what you want. If you want more than that, we'll give you more than that too. But you'll have no peace of mind. You'll be forever in turmoil. Your heart will be depressed. That's one option. The other is, we won't give you one rand also. You'll have to eat maybe just dry bread. You'll have to drink water and carry on and go to bed. You won't enjoy any of the luxuries and comforts that others will be enjoying or seeming to be enjoying. But your heart will be forever happy. You'll be brimming with joy. Now you decide, you choose what you want. Either you can take this 10 billion. You can take this 20 billion if you want. Now 20 billion a person can't think. Now what are you going to do with 20 billion? What does a person do with 20 billion? How much can a person eat? What kind of car can he drive after all? Or he'll buy one plane. How much is he going to fly in that? How many clothes are you going to wear at one time? What other things are you going to... What better phone can you buy? What can you do with 20 million more? But you want it, you'll get it. But you'll get it. The option is, you won't have one minute and one second of peace. You're going to be in turmoil. You're going to be depressed. You're going to feel miserable. You decide if you want it. And on the other side, it's going to be dry bread and water. But your heart is going to brim with joy. You're going to sleep maybe on a hard floor. And you might have a, just a touch roof over you. But your heart is going to be, be, that is guaranteed, that your heart is going to be full of joy. Now, which sensible person, which person who is thinking straight, will say, no, give me the 10 billion, if, even if I'm depressed, even if I feel miserable, I want the money. People want the money for happiness. People are killing themselves in order to become happy. But happiness doesn't lie there. Happiness lies in the obedience of Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala. Happiness lies Allah in the true obedience of Allah Ta'ala. Then the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala descends. And it even makes others around happy. Because the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala to understand it is like fragrance. This fragrance when it's somebody has walked into the room with an excellence, excellent fragrance. Then everybody's face lights up there because they all got the fragrance. And everybody is feeling refreshed, merely just smelling that fragrance. They're inhaling that fragrance and they are feeling refreshed. And if a person is disobedient to Allah Ta'ala, then the azab that comes on the heart, this is that azab itself has a terror, that sin has an odor. In the Hadith Sharif it comes, when a person lies, then the angels flee away from the person to the extent of one mile, due to the odor of that sin. Now, we might not physically get this odor, but the ruh, the soul gets this odor. And now when a person physically, he gets some odor, there's a bad smell, something is rotten, something is decaying, and there's a terrible smell. So, how, what kind of face does a person make? The person seems very, very happy at that time. He makes a terrible face, frowning, bad face. Everybody is feeling miserable. Whoever else is in that environment, somebody wants to bring up, they're feeling nauseous. Why? Because of the odor. 
So sinning has an odor and the ruh, our soul, that gets affected by that odor. Now just as physically we get an odor, we feel miserable, we feel bad, we can't seem to function. Person has got the best food, can you eat the best food when there's a terrible smell? Your favorite food and favorite dish is there in front of you, but there's a terrible stench. Somebody has broken a sting bomb somewhere there. Can you eat that food there? You want to bring up, you are feeling nauseous. So likewise, when the ruh is being affected by the odor of sins, then one's life becomes miserable. The person seems to do everything what he wants to do, but can't seem to enjoy anything. Everything is in just shambles. And now the person is wondering, but why? I thought, okay, let me do this. I'll get happy with this. I'm doing that. Nothing's happening. I'm getting worse. Okay, let, I thought, let me chat with that person. Okay, let me go onto Facebook. But maybe now it's Twitter. And maybe let me get onto the internet now. And one thing after the other, but okay, let me do everything at the same time. So in one hand, I'm busy chatting. The other hand, I'm surfing the internet. And I've got something in my ear with the iPod. And I'm busy listening to some music and whatever else. And I'm seeing that this is just getting worse. Outwardly for a moment it seems like, okay, I think I got what I wanted. Barely a few seconds later, a few minutes later, I'm worse off from where I started. And then people in the lap of luxury are taking their lives. They want to commit suicide. Why? Because the odor of sin has now made that roar and the soul totally uncomfortable. And it's miserable. And as a result of that misery, the person cannot get enjoyment in anything else. Like the person trying to eat that food where there's a terrible odor and stench. The person says, how can I eat it here? I'm feeling nauseous. I can't touch this food. I'd rather stay hungry, man. So likewise, we want to be comfortable in life. We want to be happy in life. We will have to omit and delete the files of sins by making sincere toba. These auspicious occasions are in front of us. The doors of Allah Ta'ala are wide open. No matter what our situation is, there is never a moment of despondency for the mu'min. Allah Ta'ala's rahmat is there to receive every single person. The person who committed hundred murders, Allah Ta'ala's rahmat received him also. And he was also because he came sincerely. He came truly. He was genuine about giving up whatever he had done in the past. Allah Ta'ala's mercy enveloped him as well. So no matter what it is, Allah wa Taala's announcement is very clear. قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا Allah Ta'ala says to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that announce that O oh my servants, Allah Ta'ala says, say to them that I am saying, O oh my servants, mine, it's mine. You're not anybody else's, you're mine. قُلْ يَا عِبَادِي O my servants, الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ Who have transgressed their souls. What a merciful Allah. And how kind and compassionate is our Allah. That no matter what we have done, despite the ingratitude that we have showed to Him, that Allah Ta'ala fed us, we used the energy of that food to disobey Him. Allah Ta'ala gave us the air to breathe, we took in that oxygen, we gained that nourishment for our blood into that, by that oxygen, we were feeling nice and fresh, and then we used that energy to disobey Allah wa Ta'ala. The energy of that food went into the eye, we used the eye to disobey Allah Ta'ala. The energy of that food went into the ear, we used that ear to disobey Allah Ta'ala. It went into the hands, in the feet, in our hearts. And everything we used against our benefactor and our nourisher and sustainer, 
the one and the being who gave us everything, we used everything against him, and he still announces, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَتُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ That, O oh my servants, who have transgressed their souls, don't become despondent of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Don't become despondent of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Come back. Toba, the doors of Toba are open. As long as a person has life, then the doors of Toba are open. Come back. Inna Allah yaghfiru zunuba jami'a. Allah Ta'ala will forgive all the sins of a person. Inna hu huwa al-ghafuru rahim. Allah Ta'ala is most forgiving, most merciful. But the condition is come back. Come back to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Make sincere Toba. And in order to be steadfast on the Toba, we will need to take the guidance of somebody. We will need to understand that there will be some restrictions. This life is an examination. It is a test. It is an examination. A person in the exam room decides, I want to eat now. You say, sorry, you can't eat now. You have to wait. You'll eat later. I want to walk around now. You can't walk around. You sit in your chair. I want to talk to my neighbor who's sitting here next to me. I want to just have a chat with them. Sorry, you can't. This phone, I bought it. It's mine. I want to now get onto the uh, internet or I want to chat with somebody. You know, I'm addicted to this mix-it. I can't do without it. And now I'm sitting here in this exam room for five, three hours. It's too long now. I need to start chatting. Sorry, you can't. Otherwise, you'll fail the exam. You'll get marked off completely. So every person in that exam room understands all these restrictions and all these rules. And everyone submits to it because you want to pass the exam. We don't want to be failed. So likewise, this world is an examination. Our life in this world is an examination. And we want to pass in this exam. We want to reach Allah with flying colors. For that, we will have to submit ourselves to those restrictions. And we will find, inshallah, in this world and in the hereafter, Allah will grant us izzat and honor. Allah will grant us that happiness and peace and tranquility. Allah will give us those things that we are desiring within our hearts. Whatever the condition is outside, but we will be the happiest people on the face of this earth. May Allah give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.